Go with me. I'll sort myself out. Oh. Oh, no, I've broken it now. Oh, someone's kindly put set that up for me and I've broken it. Oh, never mind. Never mind. It's good, I like what Raj did at the start about worship. It's good to remind ourselves and think about why we do certain things, isn't it? Why do we, why do we worship? What's worship about? I like that, Raj, it's good. So, half, when you mentioned Annika Rice, I think half the people said, who? Yeah. Annika? And then half of the people thought about you running around in lycra. And, oh. Tell them they smile. Annika Rice was a famous TV personality from the... The 50s. <laughs> there we go. We are carrying on with our series, uh, looking at the community of God. What is community? And uh, we're particularly wanting to look at what does the Bible teach about community? And it's particularly in the light of wanting to change our smaller gatherings within Jubilee, what we call our community groups, what we're calling our community groups. Um, and so this morning, what I really want to do is, as well as talk about what I'm talking about, is to bring some application for our midweek community groups. So today we're going to be looking at the spirit-filled community. And uh, if you have got a Bible here, you can turn to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to be going from, chap- uh, from verse 1 through to chapter 2, verse 11. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. See, when it comes to being a, a spirit-filled community, we can sometimes be tricked into thinking, oh, it's just about having a nice fuzzy feeling every now and again. Maybe even falling down in a meeting. Or, or we might think, do you know, the presence of God amongst us is just an optional extra. If you're into that type of thing, then it's a nice little add-on to the Christian life. No, that's a misunderstanding of the message of Jesus and of the whole Bible. It's actually about being a spiritual community. It's about the presence of God amongst us, with us, all the time. See, God's plan is to dwell with his people. That is what God wants, to have a people to dwell amongst. And I know Paul covered this a bit last week um, in his introduction to this series. Uh, But God wants to be amongst his people. That's his plan. See, some people see God as distant and removed from men and women, just directing things as he wants from above and from afar. Maybe it's like one of those uh, uh, simulated games that you can get nowadays, like um, where you kind of have a little uh, zoo or um, a city and uh, you just play the computer game from all over the top, and you say, I want my buildings here, and I'm going to build a road here. Is anyone, is anyone into those types of games? Or hospital, sim hospital, I've seen that one as well. And you can create your own hospital. Um, or zoo, I want my animals over here, and I'm going to... Oh, Jackie's laughing, because I think she's got that on her phone. And you can get it on your phone, can't you, Jackie? Yes. So you can... You can uh, develop your city 
or your hospital or your zoo on your phone. I'm out and about. I just want to build a new, uh, build a new park over here. And you can do. And some people see God like that. He's just above, removed, never relating directly to His creation, but above, just working things out as He sees fit. And that is simply it. But the truth is very, very different. See, right back to the beginning, if we even go back to Genesis, we see God creating man and woman and wanting to dwell with them and be amongst them. And we see the Israelites, that God wanting to be their God. I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And even through their history, we see... um, uh, God committing to be with them I'll be with you and we see people like David the great king of Israel uh, who wrote in Psalm 84 how lovely is your dwelling place better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere he knows God wants to be with me it's amazing to be in the presence of God but then we always sense this that there's something greater, something greater to come. And then we get to Jesus. And in John 1, John explains about Jesus in his introduction to his account of Jesus' life. And he says it's like God becoming flesh. It's God becoming flesh and making his dwelling amongst us. And Jesus says to his disciples, do you know, you won't always have me in the flesh. You won't always have me like this. But do you know it's better that I go away? Because I'll send the Spirit. And he says this in John 14. I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. You know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then we see in Acts, these accounts of people encountering the Spirit. And it's referred to lots of different ways in Acts. It says they're baptised with the Spirit. Come upon. The, the Spirit comes upon them. They receive power. They're being filled with. They're receiving the promise of the Father. The Spirit's pouring out. And we see time and time again through Acts, people encountering the Spirit of God, just as Jesus promised And do you know, the same is true for us today. Yes, we can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can only come to Jesus and only become a Christian because of the work of the Spirit. But God wants to baptise us, fill us, immerse us, empower us with his Spirit. That we might live lives in the power of the Spirit. And it's not a one-off experience. The Bible talks about being filled with the Spirit. Go on, keep being filled with the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. It's a kind of all-the-way-through-life thing. Not a, I remember when, that one day when it happened. No, no, keep being filled with the Spirit, the Bible says. And hopefully, there'll be an opportunity this morning. If you've never been filled with the Spirit before, or if you just know you need to be Filled again, afresh this morning, there'll be an opportunity, I hope. And so far from it just being, it's just about me and my experience, the church is called to be a spirit-filled community. 
Followers of Jesus are called to live in spirit-led, spirit-drenched, spirit-reliant community. Okay, so we will get to 1 Corinthians 12 eventually. Thank you for being patient and you've all got it open. Except me. So let's, uh, let's, let's look at our passage for this morning. Which is 1 Corinthians 12. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one, just as he determines. So I've got three points this morning that I want us to look at together. A spirit-filled community is one which has Jesus at the centre. It is one which is growing in spiritual gifts and is one which is on mission. So, the first one. A spirit-filled community is one that has Jesus at its centre. See, Paul says in this passage, you know, when you didn't know Jesus, you were led by other things. There are other priorities that you'd given yourself to, other gods even, other things to worship, and things that were mute. It says mute idols, things that couldn't talk. They couldn't speak. Actually, they couldn't offer you hope. They couldn't offer you life. And in the passage, there's this sense of capture. You were led astray, you were influenced, you were captured by these mute idols, and they had you. You gave yourself to them, and they couldn't do anything to, for you. But now it's totally different. Now you're a people of the Spirit, Paul says. And he's contrasting these two ways of living. Living by anything outside of God, and living by the Spirit of God. See, people will follow all sorts of things in life. They'll devote themselves to all sorts of things. Let themselves be captive by all sorts of stuff. You might say, we don't have idols today, don't you know? There's no idols in the Western world, in 21st century Teesside. Yes, we do. Even things, good things, like family, work, hobbies, these are good things. Do you know, humans can make good idols of them. They'll worship them. I'll devote myself to these things instead of God. I don't want to give my worship to God. I'll give it to other things. But what happens amongst people led by the Spirit? 
it says Jesus gets the attention. Jesus gets the attention. He says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said this would happen. In John 16, he says this, He, the Holy Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. He will bring glory to me. So the presence of the Spirit is amongst us to give glory to Jesus, to give attention and honour to him. And that should be the case in any Christian community. You might think, do you know, this point is a bit obvious. Why have you put this in your sermon? Obviously, that's clear. What? Why start with that? It's a bit obvious, Simon. It's so, so important. See, often a good check against things that claim to be Christian, but perhaps aren't, is, is Jesus at the centre? Is he being delighted in? Is he being loved and adored? Is the message about him and who he is. So he's the only message we've got. The goodness of God shown to us in Jesus. Who came to earth, lived a perfect life, was crucified for our disobedience, yet rose to life, was raised to life, and now lives and rules forever. We don't have anything else. I remember as a, a, um, a teenager just suddenly getting the importance of the resurrection. And it was at kind of Easter time. And, uh, I'd, you know, I'd grown up in a church. And, uh, you know, I'd gone to church and enjoyed it. And I enjoyed hanging out with my friends. And I kind of did it because, you know, that's what we did. We went to church. That's what the family did. You went to the village church. And, and my mates were there and I enjoyed it. But one Easter, suddenly seeing the importance of the resurrection... And seeing who Jesus is and seeing, actually, if there was no resurrection, we might as well go home. We really might as well all go home. The Christian message hangs on the resurrection. We might as well be doing something else. But because Jesus is raised, we have hope and we have new life. And I would encourage you, if you're not a Christian here this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, look at the resurrection. Look at the evidence for the resurrection Look at who Jesus is and his resurrection. See, it was a work of the Spirit in me that did it. Suddenly, oh, I see it. I see Jesus. You know, I see the evidence, but I see it. I know it. Jesus is alive. But also the Holy Spirit helps us to become more like Jesus. And he's making us more like Jesus. This is what 2 Corinthians says. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Uh, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So we're being changed by the Holy Spirit to become more like Jesus. And as we're changed, is it to make us look good? Is it to make me look good? Is it to make you look good? No, it's to make Jesus look amazing and wonderful and for attention to go to him. So in our community groups, in fact in any group in Jubilee, who are we looking for to get attention and honour? 
Jesus! Excellent. We'll get there. We'll get there. He is at the centre. And we're wanting to be changed. We're wanting community groups to be places where we come together, where we live in community, and we're changed. We're changed to become more like Jesus. So, firstly, a spiritual community is one with Jesus at the centre. And secondly, it's one that is growing in spiritual gifts together. See, Paul wants them to understand in this passage that as a spirit-filled community, living the spirit-filled life, God wants to give spiritual gifts to his people. And you know that's true for us as well. God wants to give gifts to you and I. Is that true? Turn to the person next to us. God wants to give gifts to you and I. (laughs) It's true. It's true. This is what it says in verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. In other words, there'll be different ways that the Spirit shows himself when the community is gathered. One might have a message of wisdom. One might have gifts of healing. Another might have prophecy, a prophetic word. Another might have a tongue, an interpretation of that tongue. And there's three things that I want us to focus on that Paul teaches us through verse 7. The first is this. It's not a simply, well, it'd be nice to have some spiritual gifts, wouldn't it? Well, if it happens, it happens. It'd be nice. No, no, we're actively looking for the Spirit to be present amongst us in these ways when we meet. Let's actively go for it. You know, not just let's sit back, oh, we're open to it, if it happens, it happens. No, no, let's go for spiritual gifts. Let's believe that God's here by his presence and he's giving gifts to you and I. Let's be on the front foot. When, see, when the church gathers together, it's great to be together, isn't it? It's great to come together. I love it. I do love it. Do you know, I said, was it two weeks ago, I said, you know, I love being on Teesside. I genuinely wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I love, I love being with the, the people of God at Jubilee. I love it. It's great. I love hanging out with people. I love coming together on a Sunday morning. But more than that, more than that, do you know, when we come together, I want to hear God. I want us to hear God. Do you know, I want us to draw near to him and hear his voice to us. I want us to encounter him. You know, we can have plans and we can have timings. We have some plans and timings, don't we, sometimes? <laughs> we, can ha- we can have our plans and timings of how we want things to be. And God can use those. God can use those. But most importantly, do you know, when we come together, I want to hear God. We want to hear God. We want to draw near to him. Secondly, diversity We need one another. I need you to operate in your spiritual gift, and you need me to operate in my spiritual gift. We need one another. Why? Because there's different ways the Spirit manifests himself as we meet. See, later on in Corinthians, he talks about it being like a body. You know, the church, the people of God are like a body with different bits and different parts, and actually we need one another. We need one another to operate in spiritual gifts. And thirdly, this, it's for the common good. 
That's what it says in verse 7. Is it verse 7? I should, open my, I should keep my Bible open, shouldn't I? There's a lesson for you. It is verse 7. For the common good. In other words, do you know, we serve one another and build one another up through spiritual gifts. So the church is encouraged. It's spurred on. It's excited. It's focused on Jesus through spiritual gifts. It was great this morning, wasn't it? That tongue and interpretation that came. You know, I was so encouraged. That interpretation about, you know, I'm not left out in the outer courts or the inner courts. Actually, because of Jesus, I'm drawn right into your presence, into your family. Do you know, that encouraged me. I hope it encouraged you. See, he later goes on in, in chapter 14 to talk about prophesying. And he says, prophesying, you know, prophesying, is, this is what God's saying to us as a people. It's to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the church. Do you know it's for the common good? And spiritual gifts are there to build us up. And there's other spiritual gifts that aren't mentioned here in this particular passage. Hospitality, leadership, giving. These are some of them. Serving, encouraging. Ah, oh, that we would have more encouragers. Ah, oh, do, do you know I need encouraging? Does anyone else? Does anyone else ever need encouraging? Amanda's there. A few others. Yeah, excellent. And everyone else is lying. Um, do you know? Ah, oh, I, I just need encouraging. Ah, oh, that we would that we would be a church that's practiced the gift of encouraging. Great. So applications for our community groups. Don't limit your gifts just to meetings. They're for all of life, not just for gatherings together. Don't think, oh, prophecy, oh, I can't prophesy until until my community group. Oh, no, I've got prophecy for somebody, I have to wait. No, you can tell them. If you've got a prophetic word for them, tell them. It's life. Encouraging encourage people. Oh, I'm so encouraged when people, if people encourage me and it's, it's outside of a meeting, it's, it's actually we can do it together as community. Uh, gifts of healing. Let's pray for one another as community together. Second bit of application for community groups. If you don't know what my, your spiritual gifts are, I don't know what, I don't, I, I'm not sure what it is. Hey, community groups are a great way to practice them. A great way to give them a go. You know, I don't know if it's serving. Hey, maybe I'll come early to my community group and help set up. Maybe I'll help set some of the stuff out. Maybe I'll stay a bit later and help put stuff away. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's hospitality. Maybe uh, perhaps, perhaps I'll help someone that's new in my community group. I'll just help them. I'll, hey, I'll cook a meal for them. I'll invite them round. I'll befriend them that new family, that new person. See, community groups should be a great place to step out in gifts. Who first brought a contribution or spiritual gift uh, on a Sunday morning? The first time they did it was on a Sunday morning in front of lots and lots of people. Not many. Who did it? Oh, yeah, there's one there. Who, who did it in a smaller gathering of people when there was just a few, when there was maybe a handful of people or... I know I did, and it's probably much more common than the case. Actually, it's a great way to practice spiritual gifts. If you're nervous, there's less people around. Hey, I, I feel a bit more comfortable with this. It's a great place to do that, and we want our community groups to be a great place where we can practice spiritual gifts together. 
But don't think, oh, it's just a stepping stone to Sunday, because actually the only spiritual gifts that count are on Sunday mornings. No, that's not the case. Actually, when God speaks to us, he speaks to us. And so it's just as important when we meet to pray, like tonight at the prayer meeting, or when we meet as community groups, or whether it's during the week for someone, whatever it is. Don't just think, oh, it's just about Sunday mornings. Let's be eager to build one another up in spiritual gifts as we meet together. So, a spiritual community is one that uh, has Jesus at the centre, is one that is growing in spiritual gifts, and finally, is one that is on mission together. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us, not just to make a nice club for ourselves, so that we can all be happy and comfortable, but he fills us ready for mission so that we're ready to tell of the goodness of God, ready to proclaim Jesus, ready to serve and love the communities that we're a part of, ready to serve the poor and the marginalised, ready to provide hope where there's no hope, ready to transform communities. This is a quote from uh, one of the former Archbishops of Canterbury from a fair few years ago now, but he said this, the church is the only organisation that exists for its non-members. See, we see this in Acts, in the early church, don't we? We see you know, 120 or so believers together. And Jesus says to them, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, until the ends of the earth. And then what do we see in the rest of Acts? It's people empowered by the Spirit to take the message of Jesus to those around them. See, there's such a link between the spirit and mission, and we often miss it. Here's some other passages, so you know it's in the Bible. This is from Hebrews 2, and it says this, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. And then this from 1 Peter in chapter 1. They spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So if our community groups are going to effectively impact those around us with the love of Jesus, it will be in the power of God's Spirit. Just like in Acts, just like it says in Hebrews, just like Peter says in 1 Peter. See, I often find talking to people about Jesus quite hard. I need to know God's with me. Does anyone else find it hard? Maybe often, maybe sometimes. Some people love it. But do you know, sometimes I find it hard. I need to know God's with me. I need to know it's simply not up to me and what I can do. See, it's encouraging in this passage where Paul says, no one can say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. That encourages me. It's not up to me to try and convince them in my arguments. It's up to him. See, we're on mission together as a church, using our different gifts, playing our part. It's great to be part of teams, isn't it? And to do it in teams. And that's what our community groups should be. Teams of people with different gifts, but the same spirit, different kinds of service but the same Lord. See, I love things like 
um, Open Door or um, Sparklers, which uh, works with um, uh, parents and young kids. And you think, you know, this isn't just good people wanting to do some good things, these groups. No, this is people empowered by the Spirit on mission together, doing things in team. And the same is true for our community groups. Okay, we're doing well. So, the one more thing I want to say, which I particularly felt um, uh, it felt right to say, um, but it, on, this, on this theme of mission and reaching out together, do you know, in all this, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and fill us just to make us busier and just to give us busier lives, just to get jobs done. Do you know, do you sometimes think like this? The Holy Spirit, oh, make me busier. Oh, I need to be busier in life. I need to be busier in the Christian life. I need to get things done. Therefore, I need the Holy Spirit to fill me. Is that just me? It sounds like it's just me. I heard this great quote a few weeks ago that said this. Christians are called to fruitfulness, not busyness. And there's a weakness in me that is urgent to be busy. I've got to be busy. There's, there's, there's a, a world that needs to be impacted with the gospel. There's things to be done in the church. I've got to be busy. I've got to be busy, 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 busy. Holy Spirit, make me busy. And I know that's a weakness in me. Maybe it is in you too. But do you know, there's more descriptions of the Spirit's work that are organic rather than about results and busyness. See, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. Fruitfulness. So the Spirit saves us from busyness and leads us into fruitfulness. See, to live a life in the presence of the Holy Spirit, to live in his empowering presence, means fruit comes from that. Fruit comes from that. See, Christianity isn't simply a a kind of truth that we agree with. I mentally adhere to this truth and I agree with it. It isn't simply that. Rather, by the Spirit, it's a truth that we experience. We enjoy. It's a truth that changes us. It's a truth that transforms us. And you know, that's where fruitfulness comes from. See, we'll burn out quite quickly if it's about just for jobs. It's just to keep me busy. So, spirit-filled communities have Jesus at the centre of them. Grow in spiritual gifts and are on mission together. I want us to respond this morning and we've purposefully left time for us to respond together to what the Spirit's doing amongst us and to receive him afresh. How about you? Have you been baptised with the Spirit? There's an opportunity today, maybe you know, I've never been filled with the Spirit. I've never been baptised with the Spirit. I've never known that empowering presence. Hey, maybe there'll be, an op- there'll be an opportunity for you to respond this morning. Are you keeping filled with the Spirit? Are you making sure I'm being filled with the Spirit? Daily I'm taking an opportunity to be filled with him, to walk with him. There'll be an opportunity for you today. Are you aware that I know I've let spiritual gifts go, grow cold in my life? I know I've let them grow cold, but I want to... Hey, maybe this week there's an opportunity for you. I would encourage you, step out in spiritual gifts. And I do want us to 
um, just respond to um, some other words that people had. Um, so what I'd like us to do is, I'd like us to stand first, and I want us to go back into worship, um, and I want us to respond to what God's saying. There'll be some time for ministry as well. Um, but let's just, let's just for a moment look to God while the band come up. Could the band come up? Okay, let's look to God. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we say you're wonderful. We say we love you. say we're so grateful and thankful that you send the spirit to us so that he might bring attention and honour and glory to you and so that we might live in spirit filled spirit drenched community together and so we say you're so welcome here and we respond to you And we love you. We love you. Come on, let's sing together. Let's sing in worship together. Um, The offering buckets will go around as well at this point. And if you've got um, a slip from the notice sheet,